To have no other gods means that we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. This is what the heart of the first commandment is all about. Putting one's trust in the one true God. And while there are all kinds of things that we can be tempted to put our trust in besides God, Luther mentions in the large catechism that the most common idol on the earth is money. This is because the sin of greed affects everyone, both the rich and the poor alike. Those who are rich can feel happy, secure, and fearless as they look at everything that they have. But those who have nothing can despair and doubt that God has any care for them at all. Because the sin of greed is a constant idol in our lives, it's no surprise that we would talk about this sin that so easily entangles so many people during our Hard Truth series. But the interesting thing our verses today is that we're not necessarily going to learn something that's a hard truth. Rather, a better way to describe our verses for today is that we're going to learn something that's a surprising truth. Because in our verses for today, we're going to see that money is actually a good thing. Now, leading up to our verses for today, Paul had just condemned some false teachers who viewed religion simply as a means to make a quick dollar. They imagined that living in a godly, upright, and pious way would result in all kinds of material gain. And so Paul condemns this false teaching and rightly states that godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul says that godliness is great gain. He isn't contradicting himself after just attacking the false idea of these false teachers. Rather, Paul here is speaking about true godliness, which is having faith in Jesus and depending solely on God. And this true godliness is what leads to contentment. And contentment is an attitude which looks at all of the gracious that God has blessed us with in this life and being grateful for all of them. And this attitude is what leads Christians to be able to say, may the name of the Lord be praised for the much or the little that I have in this life. When one sees wealth in its proper place as being a blessing from God, this is what Paul says is great gain. But for those who view wealth as God, Paul explains how foolish this way of thinking truly is. We brought nothing into the world and we certainly cannot take anything out of it. See, we're only on earth for a brief amount of time and we'll leave the exact same way that we came, with nothing. And because this is true, Paul points out that the sin of greed is foolish. And not only is it foolish, but it will also constantly leave one seeking and desiring more in their life. And so Paul makes the point that all we truly need to be satisfied with in this life is clothing. Point here is that since life's luxuries can't be taken into God's presence, we should be content when our basic necessities are provided for. The point that Paul was making with these verses 
is that the godliness that the false teachers were proclaiming was not the way to material gain. But what is great gain is godliness with contentment. As Paul continues, he directs his focus on those who are consumed by the sin of greed and he points out the dangerous path that they're on. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and be full of harmful desires which plunge them into complete destruction and utter ruin. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evils. By striving for money, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. And Paul explains in blunt, straightforward terms what happens when one's heart is consumed by the sin of greed. It's a trap that plunges one into destruction. It is the root of all kinds of evil and it's often the cause of one leaving the faith entirely. And Paul once again points out how foolish the sin of greed is by showing that instead of bringing gain, it only produces harm. Now the interesting thing with our verses for today is Paul doesn't condemn wealth and possessions because money itself is not evil. What is sinful and what Paul does condemn in our verses for today is the attitude that one's heart takes when it is consumed by the sin of greed. And when we think about the sin of greed, sometimes we might think that this is something that only the rich need to repent of. But as we see in our verses for today, this is something that affects everybody, both rich and poor alike. And because of this, it's so important for all of us here today to examine our hearts and to see how the sin of greed has affected us. If you're in the group of those who don't have an abundance of wealth, do you feel like God doesn't care about you? Or that if God truly cared about you, that he would bless you with more than what you already have? Do you find it difficult to be happy and content in this life because you don't have an abundance of wealth? Or if you're in the group of those that do have an abundance of wealth, do you feel like what you have just isn't enough? Do you find that you have a strong desire to continue gaining more in this life? And Paul doesn't focus on one group or the other verses for today. And Paul makes the point that everyone has a problem. And the problem isn't money. The problem is that we all have a sinful nature which tempts us to be discontent with all of the things that we have in this life. Our sinful hearts can lead us down a dangerous path where we're tempted to fall into the sin of greed and place our wealth and possessions at the top place in our hearts. And what we need is the true godliness which Paul speaks about in our verses for today. And this true godliness can only come from the gospel. Where we hear the amazing love of our Heavenly Father. God provided for our greatest spiritual need. By sending his one and only self poor by taking on flesh. 
so that he could suffer the punishment that all of our sins deserved. And even though Jesus knew the difficult work that he would go through to pay for our sins, he was content to carry this work out because he desired to win for you and for me the riches of eternal life in heaven. And it's through this message of forgiveness that the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts to trust and believe in the one true God, to place him at the top place in our hearts, and to know that God not only provides for our greatest spiritual need, but that our Heavenly Father is the one who gives us all of the earthly blessings that we have in this life. And because God is the one who richly provides us with everything that we have, both for body and soul, we can be content with everything that God has given us because we know that he has richly provided for us eternal life with him in heaven. And not only can we be content with all of the things that we have in this life, but as Paul continues in our verses for today, he makes the point that Christians can also use all of the earthly blessings that they have in this life as a way to serve their Heavenly Father. Instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant or to put their hope in the uncertainty of riches, but rather in God who richly supplies us with all things for our enjoyment. And here Paul contrasts the right and wrong responses to having wealth. It's wrong to be filled with pride and to think that one's wealth is what will lead to salvation. And this way of thinking will only lead to one being uncertain because of how quickly one's wealth can change in this life. The right response to having wealth is to focus on the one true God and to see that he gives wealth not as a way to promote pride, but so that all of our earthly blessings can be used and enjoyed according to his will. And Paul explains what this looks like in the life of a Christian. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. Being truly rich involves doing good works that shows the fruit of one's faith. And this can show itself in so many ways when it comes to our wealth. It can be sharing one's wealth with someone in need or generously sharing one's wealth in various other ways uh, to support others. And Paul, in our verses for today, suggests that genuine earthly wealth is really found in what we give and not in what we have. And Paul explains that Christians who use their wealth in this way are storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So here Paul isn't saying that sharing one's wealth is a way to earn salvation. No, what Paul is saying that visible fruits show the presence of one's faith. And when one knows the love that has been shown to them through the work of Christ, it's only natural that this love would show itself in the lives of those who have experienced it. And a way to show this love is by generously sharing one's wealth with others. But as we all know, this is easier said than done. 
And when it comes time to put this truth into practice, how quickly Satan can lead us to fall into temptation and to use our wealth in a selfish way. We know that everything we have is something that has been given to us from God. But who here hasn't at some point thought that all of our wealth was all ours and that we had the right to do whatever we pleased with it? And so when we hear that we should share our wealth with others, Satan can lead us to come up with all kinds of excuses as to why we should use our wealth in a selfish way. Excuses like, I worked hard for my money, so why should I share it with anybody else? I want to use it for what I want. Or, why should I share my money with this person who is in need, when they'll obviously just squander away whatever I give them? How selfish we can be when it comes to our wealth and possessions. And while the gospel is what leads us to be content with all of the earthly blessings that we have in this life, it's also the gospel that leads us to have a heart of generosity when it comes to our wealth. And it does this by leading us to see the generous nature of Heavenly Father. Even though we to show him ingratitude for all the blessings that he gives us in this life, we see that he continues to pour out his love his forgiveness, and he continues to give us all kinds of earthly blessings, showing just how generous our Heavenly Father is. And when the Holy Spirit guides us to place God at the top place in our hearts, we see that everything in our lives has the special purpose of serving him. And this includes our money. And there are so many ways that we can use our wealth and possessions as a way to serve God. We can do this by supporting ourselves and our families with what we need and also using it for enjoyment in this world. We can do this by using it to support the church and also to support the spread of the gospel. And we can do this by generously sharing our wealth with those who are in need or struggling. And the list could go on and on. There are so many ways that we can use our wealth in a generous way, as a way to serve God. And as we do this in our lives, we have the joy of being able to see the fruit of our faith, which only comes from a heart which knows the love which has been shown to it through the work of Christ. To have no other gods means that we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And in the large catechism, Luther gives a beautiful explanation as to why it's so important for us to understand the first commandment. It's so we see that God will tolerate no presumption or trust in anything else, so that we walk straight ahead on the right path, using all of God's gifts exactly as a shoemaker uses a needle, awl, and thread for his work, and afterward puts them aside. Or as a traveler makes use of an inn, food, and lodging, but only for his physical needs. Let each person do the same in his or her walk of life according to God's order, allowing none of these things to be a lord or an idol. With this explanation, Luther makes the point that when we put our hope in the one true God rather than in false idols, that everything we have in this life, including money, 
is a good thing that we can use as a way to serve the one true God who has showed us his true love by redeeming us from our sins through the work of Christ. Amen.